Hey folks, and welcome to another episode of the Team Builder Podcast. I'm your host, Hewitt Tomlin, one of the co-founders here at Team Builder. We are the number one strength and conditioning software out there. If you didn't know that, well, now you know. Today's guest is Derek Smith. Derek is the head strength and conditioning coach at Southside High School in Batesville, Arkansas. He is also the associate head football coach. One thing that struck me about Derek during the episode is he really loved talking about the other sports that he trains, uh, apart from just football. He's really passionate for the women's sports at his school, which I thought was really, really cool. Derek, in my opinion, is like one of the most fun people to follow on Twitter. Um, he's a good voice, I think, for strength coaches and has a great sense of humor. So we get into that a little bit, you know, just to talk about, you know, how should a strength coach behave on Twitter if there is such a standard and how he approaches, you know, some of the controversy that comes to being on social media as a strength and conditioning coach. Um, Derek's experience is mostly in high school, which is awesome. And um, he actually took a job at a high school that needed a strength coach, and that's what began his journey. Um, however, he's you know went ahead and gotten some of the industry standard certifications and really delved into his career as a strength coach uh, right there in Arkansas. So he has a little bit of a different path becoming a strength coach in that he didn't really go for like a college or pro track and then defaulted to high school, but he kind of stuck uh, in high school the whole time and developed within high schools as a strength coach. Um, so let me know what you think. So we are off and running. So what's up, Derek? How you doing, man? Good, man. Doing good. Just getting used to all the new stuff and the new school year. So yeah. So you're down in Arkansas, right? Yeah. And you got all your kids back. Yeah, we we got them all back. Uh, they had the choice. You know, they can go virtual. Uh, as a district, we had a little over a hundred kids decide to go virtual, but uh, they still can. Like they can do athletics and strength and conditioning uh, if they're virtual. They just come. To school for that period right and I saw you were working with kids throughout the summer as well yeah yeah uh we got our kids back on campus here for like in-person training uh basically the second week of June uh, and then we rolled three weeks in June uh, we gave them a two week or week and a half break and then picked it up the week after the fourth of July and gotcha. then we hit it full speed after that cool so um I saw you posting about working with kids during the summer and uh, you got that new, the new free lap timing system. You yeah. Like you like it a lot. Yeah, yeah it, it's awesome. Uh, you know, there's a lot of different timing systems out there. Uh, yeah, what's so good about free lap that, that, you, that made you like it so much? It, just like the, the ease of it to set up. I mean, to set everything up and be running takes 30 seconds. Really? Where, you know, with some others that I've worked with, it takes 10 to 15 minutes. Yeah, uh, and then you got to wait generally a longer amount of time between reps. As with the free lap, you basically wait five seconds, and the next one can run. Nice. Okay, so you can go through a lot of kids really quickly. Yeah, we got five chips uh, and four cones, and we can run through sixty, seventy kids in fifteen minutes with them getting about two reps apiece. So dang, it's pretty good. It, it's good, and there's a lot of new software out there. Uh, but I definitely recommend like getting some type of, if you're a strength coach, getting some type of timing system. Uh, you, you've never seen anything like, I've never seen anything make it such a big difference in such a short amount of time in terms of building speed. And we've done everything. We've done every speed thing you can think of, but just simply timing it and then posting it 
and then your kids compete like crazy, literally starting the first day, trying to beat their time, but also beat, you know, their buddy's time too. Gotcha. So you can just record times really quickly, show the kids, try to get them to beat their next time or beat someone else's time. That's the, that's what's so helpful about it. Yeah. And then, okay. So say you, you're timing 40s with a stopwatch and you get a kid at a five, four, seven. Okay. Well, number one with a stopwatch, it could have been a five, six, seven. It could have been a five, two, seven, but you're ne- it's not. And then the next time you get them at a five, four, six, well, you don't really know that they got a hundredth of a second faster as to with the free lap, you know, for sure they got a hundredth of a second faster. Right. And it just, it compounds over time and it, it's been great. That's cool, man. I like that. Uh, how much participation did you, did you get this summer? Like how many kids showed up to come work with you? Uh, for all the, uh, we had about probably 175 to 200 kids a day. Uh, that's seventh through 12th grade. Uh, you know, senior high football, we probably had, I'd say 90% participation, 85 to 90, yeah. uh, volleyball. They were basically a hundred percent every day, which was awesome. Uh, senior high girls basketball, they're a small group, but they were right up there too. So you break those groups down into smaller groups or you train them all at once? No, they're, they're smaller groups. Uh, so this summer we did senior high football. They basically had two blocks because uh, their practice was in one of those blocks because we, they were using the field and we couldn't be on it uh, training-wise. And so they had two blocks. And then junior high football trained together. And then senior high volleyball and junior high basketball trained together, girls basketball. And then senior high girls basketball and junior high volleyball trained together. Gotcha. Makes sense. Um, I appreciate that you post a lot about your training on Twitter. I have to say for anyone listening, Dierk is one of the best followers on Twitter. I crack up all the time at some of your tweets. I even like show my wife. I'm like, I'm like, look at this guy. Look at the, this one of my customers. Look at this tweet. <laughs> it's just so funny to me, man. And um, I, I think I bet your, your kids follow you on Twitter. Like does everyone follow you? Is that cool? Yeah, yeah quite a few of them do. And I'm sure they enjoy that, right? Yeah, it's important, you know, like as a strength coach, you often or a lot of strength coaches are viewed as like being a hard A all the time, you know, super impersonable, unrelatable. And, you know, that, that's one thing I try to do is like relate with our kids responsibly. Yeah. Uh, but it helps huge in terms of like buy in uh, with them actually wanting to be a part of the program and wanting to be around you instead of just being the authoritarian all the time that, yeah. that can't relate. And they see you being yourself. I think they yeah. like wearing funny outfits and going out to dinner and, you know, fishing yeah. on the weekends. Well, I mean, they were giving me hell about this shirt today. So that's a great <laughs> shirt, man. You, you have a lot of good outfits out there. Appreciate it, man. I think you're a style inspiration for some coaches. Probably <laughs> wish they could pull off what you pull off. My wife, would, my wife would disagree, but. <laughs> well, she still goes out to dinner with you, so she can't disagree that much. Oh, yeah. Um, well, great, man. So I want to talk a little bit about how you got into uh, to coaching. It seems like you've been a coach now at Southside High School for a while. Yeah, uh, been here two years, uh, starting my third. Uh, so got started. My first job was at Cedarville, Arkansas, uh-huh. uh, northwest part of the state. I was head softball coach and uh, basically seventh grade football coach and uh, thought I knew everything because I played football in college and was – fairly good and realized real quick uh, coaching seventh grade football that I 
had a lot to learn. Yeah, not the uh, same, huh? And didn't know anything about softball, but luckily we had uh, eight girls that freshmen that played travel ball their entire lives. Uh, so they made me look a lot better than I was. Uh, we were lucky we won district title with eight freshmen starting, and uh, we had a good run. It was fun, learned a lot. Uh, from there, my first strength and conditioning job was at Blyville, Arkansas, basically in the other corner of the state. And uh, just can't say enough great things about those kids, uh, that administration, that community, the coach that gave me the opportunity to do strength and conditioning. Uh, and I just fell in love with the strength and conditioning side of things uh, there more than anything else. Uh, and I, I tell our kids this all the time. Uh, I, I like coaching football. I love strength and conditioning. Uh-huh. And I tell our, our other sport coaches that. So it's not something where they worry about sending their kids to me that I'm going to be like, oh, well, you need to play football or, or you need to quit playing basketball and play football. It, it's nothing like that. And I won't push a kid. Now, I'll push our football kids to go play other sports, uh-huh. but I'm not trying to uh, poach another guy's kids uh, selfishly for myself. So I think that helped a lot in terms of uh, them understanding that. Uh, you know, like I, I told them the same thing. I like football. I love the training side of things. So yeah. uh, there's definitely two different hats there, and I don't, I don't blur those lines. Uh, so were well, you invited to, to be the strength coach at Blytheville, or did you apply to be a strength coach? Uh, well, it was the position was offensive coordinator and strength coach. And okay. Basically, the way it works in Arkansas, in a lot of states, right, wrong, or indifferent yeah. uh, at the high school level. you got to combo up. Is you got yeah you combo up and a lot of times it ends up being one of the football staff members yeah. uh, that does the strength and conditioning and there's a lot of guys uh, in that position that do a great job right. but it also it being that way kind of cuts some guys that would do an awesome job out on the strength side it kind of cuts right. them out uh, but I think that's beginning to change you see a lot more just strength and conditioning postings uh, in our state now so that's beginning to change but I'm thankful that it hadn't changed yet because that's how I was able to get my feet in and and. and and get going in the career. Uh, like I said, just can't say enough great things about the kids, coaches, community. Uh, if you're from Arkansas, you know you hear a lot of bad things about Blyville, but uh, everything I ever heard was completely different uh, once I met those kids and got in that community and uh, met the administration there. They do a fantastic job, and uh, don't believe everything you hear because that, that place is awesome. Yeah, cool. Noted. Um so when you got the job there, how did you begin to develop yourself as a strength coach? Did you get a certification? Did you what did you do to to kind of delve into that? Yeah, I didn't want you know, like I said, in Arkansas, a lot of them you're just football coach, and okay, so you do the strength and conditioning. I wanted to kind of set myself apart from that uh, as a professional, and so what I did was I started studying uh, for the CSCS, and then obtained that, and then that was a basically a two year process. Uh, so got that and then started my master's degree uh, in exercise science. I'll be finishing that up in about six months. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. And NHSSCA, you're, you're involved with that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they do a great job, especially uh, they kind of cater towards guys who are football coaches and, and get put with it. And yeah. they do an awesome job kind of, you know, organizing it in terms of safety and not always like, they kind of challenge the status quo a lot of what's always been done. And I think that's important yeah. uh, as a professional for sure. And they drill down into the high school side of things like 
you know, from just if you keep up with the Facebook page, a lot of the questions on there are not necessarily about the X's and O's of training. It's more about the logistics of being a high school coach, things like scheduling, how to organize camps in the summer, how to talk to the sports coaches. I mean, that's what really sticks out to me. Yeah, yeah, and that's the biggest thing you'll learn when you get into it is getting all sports involved. Uh, it's a little bit of a fight at times, and you got to be able to kind of meet them where they're at instead of everything you want. So, for example, I'd like our boys' basketball team and girls' basketball team to train three to four days a week in off season. Yeah. Okay, well, well, they were training none in terms of strength and conditioning and speed training. Okay, well, now they're willing to train two times, so that's double what they were training. So I roll with that. You know, two times is good compared to zero. Yeah. So that's definitely what we've been rolling with. And you just win it a little bit at a time, and eventually you get everybody on board. Right. Does your, does your school have a PE program at the moment? Are you involved in PE? Yeah, yeah, we do. Uh, you know, it's seventh through ninth grade. Uh, and I, I have two PE classes a day right now. Uh, and we get those kids involved too. Now here, 90% of your PE class will be kids that aren't in athletics. Uh-huh. But then you'll have a couple kids that are in athletics that are kind of involved in that. So okay. they sometimes end up doubling up. Uh, but like say they get their workout, I'll shoot their coach a message. Hey, they got their workout today during PE. And we just kind of work around it that way. Okay. So you, you do train these, I guess, students in PE in the weight room. Uh, we're going to get in there eventually. Uh, it's obviously a little different than what we do with our athletes, but uh, we kind of do like a month-long introduction and then phase them in. Yeah. Cool. It honestly depends on the class size and all that because I got some PEs with 20 kids, which is awesome, and you can work with that. And then sometimes with the new schedule, I got some with 60 or 70, and, and we can't fit all those in. So Yeah, gotcha. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about your, uh, your football coaching. So right now you're assistant head coach at, at your school for the football team. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. our head coach left, went to Searcy, uh, got a good promotion there. It's one of the better jobs in Arkansas. Uh, so he did a fantastic job here building this program. And then, uh, we hired coach Brian Reardon. He just walked in a second ago. He was our DC here for 10 or 11 years. Uh, and then I got promoted to assistant head coach uh, along with that. So it's been good. Uh, it, it's been a process, us getting all that figured out and everything. But we're, we're glad the direction they went. We Both of us were kind of worried that we may go out of house and then that would change a bunch of things. But we basically picked up where we left off. And it's kind of given us a leg up in terms of preparation and, and all that. Our kids, they know they already know what we're doing. We hadn't changed a whole lot. Uh, we just cut a little bit of the practice time, and, yeah. and that's really been the only change. I guess some some advantages of being both a, a football coach and a strength coach is that you're kind of in, in you're kind of in tune with your team, uh, your athletes, and their workloads. Um, what are some are, are there any disadvantages to being both a football coach and a strength coach at a high school? Yeah, there definitely is a disadvantage. One of one of them is you know I work with all our teams from essentially December to August in, or September, and then there's that three to four months there where I'm in football where it's hard uh, to be with them uh, during football season, so I don't get to be with them as much. But what we've done is I've started a 6 a.m. time, and then all the kids that I don't have access to during football, they can come train uh, during that 6 a.m. time. Now, it's not as good as being with them with the entire team because – some of those kids are seventh and eighth graders, so they don't really have transportation yet 
to get themselves to and from workouts. So a lot of them don't show up as much as say the senior high does where they have vehicles and stuff where they can drive themselves to, to a 6 a.m. lift. But we've just started that this week. I uh, haven't even started officially. We just had, we finished up training and a couple of the volleyball girls shot me a message and said, hey, you know, we trained all summer. We don't want to stop now. Uh, is there a time you can get us in or, or work with us? And so we bring them in at 6 a.m. And, and they get after it. Wow. Uh, and then if I can't get with them, you know, we use Team Builder uh, and push the workouts out to their coaches. And what helped a lot was we did that before, but none of their coaches had been like in training with their team. And they just sent them down to me. And then so they didn't know really how I ran things or how I did things. But then this summer, every sport that trained their coach or assistant coach was there with me during the session. And so now they know how I run it and how we want things done. And so that's been awesome. Instead of now, they just, instead of just telling them what they're doing, now they know how to tell them how to do it. And, and did so, you ask those coaches to come shadow you? Is that how it happened? Uh, our administration kind of said, especially with, so with all the COVID restrictions going on, uh, I was on the field running sessions and then their sport coaches did like the questionnaires, all the check-ins, the temperatures, wow. all that. And then they just trickled down. Uh, to the field or to the weight room as the sessions went on and kind of picked up a thing. Yeah. And they, it was a big help. I hope we continue to do that going forward for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds good. Um, okay. Well, cool. So, so when, if athletes did decide to work out at home, did you find it pretty feasible to get them to, to do some stuff? I mean, I guess everyone had access to a field where they could run, but as far as equipment, did you run into any trouble people not having access to proper equipment or did you get around that? Yeah, we basically, I, I pushed all their workouts on Team Builder. Everybody signed up for it, all our athletes, uh, and pushed everything out there. And it was all a lot of plyometric-based stuff, uh, stuff you could do without uh, a barbell or, or dumbbells. Uh, and so we worked with them that way. And then we had a couple that had like, hey, coach, I got these kettlebells. Or, hey, coach, I got this little bit of a weight set up. And, I, and so I'd individualized for those guys based off – or girls based off what they had. Yeah, gotcha. Um, so Smith performance, that's kind of like your, your side thing, right? This is where you, you train other, I guess, younger athletes, high school aged. Yeah. Uh, we got a couple, I work with a couple college athletes here. Uh, and then I also program for schools that don't have access to a certified strength coach. Uh, I do their program, uh, and do their strength and conditioning speed development for them and then push it out to them, uh, over over team builder just the coach i push it out to right and then he goes over it with his athletes or her athletes and, and that's been good uh obviously it's not a lot of times ran the exact way you would run it uh you know what i mean you can give someone the recipe but they still got to cook it yeah uh, but it's better than than them you know and a lot of the coaches that i've worked with they've reached a coach i have no idea what i'm doing uh and I think that's where you grow as a coach versus, oh, I know everything. I don't need help from this guy or, or, or this girl. Uh, they've reached out, coach, I don't really know what we're doing. Can you help us? And, you know, I'm glad to help them. And, and obviously it's a business for me too. Uh, and it's hard to kind of juggle both at times. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. Is, is it hard to do? Like, uh, it's obviously worth it for you or you wouldn't be doing it. But, I mean, this is something that you'd recommend other coaches do. And what would you tell them before they try to do it too? I would, uh, I would recommend it, but have a stopping point. So what I mean by that is uh, basically I reached a point where I said, okay, I can do this full time, uh, the remote kind of side of things, the Smith performance side of things, uh, or I can 
do it as a little bit of a side hustle, manage what I can manage to still have free time to do what I want uh, and then continue to work at the school. And that's kind of what I decided, you know, I'm not really pushing it out there that I'm taking on any new clients right now or anything like that. Just kind of working with the ones we have. Uh, Cause at this point I'm not ready to give up the, the school side of things just because I enjoy working with a team aspect uh, and getting to see that team grow basically from the time, you know, I get them in seventh grade. I've only been here two years, but I'm excited to see that team that I got in seventh grade and then see how they kind of grow by the time they're, they're seniors. Yeah. Did, were, did, were you using team builder with Smith performance prior to the high school or? Yeah. That's what I use it for primarily was with that. Yeah. Uh, push out workouts to their coaches uh, I worked with Lion College softball. Their coach just left, so we're going to see if they're new, whoever they hire, uh, see if they want to continue to do it. And I worked with Cedar Ridge. I worked with a school in West Virginia and then uh, worked with a school here in, in Fort Smith, Arkansas. Nice. Uh, I push it out to them on Team Builder and or their coaches on Team Builder and, and go from there. Yeah, and then after that, you brought it to your high school at Southside. Yeah, uh, basically once COVID hit, you know, we had to find a way to get – something to the kids yeah so we're like hey let, let's sign up for this and then hopefully in the future we'll get a, a school account going for it yeah uh, where we can get all the sports going yeah in. nice so these these schools that you train or, or teams that you train via smith performance how did they find out about you how did, a coach out there who was thinking about doing this might be wondering how do i even get people to know about me i just sent out a, a bunch of tweets about it really kind of like a grassroots oh, wow. campaign uh, and they kind of reached out to me, hey, coach. And, and before this, I was getting a bunch of messages about this kind of thing, uh, but I never really connected the dots of how you could make a business out of it. People and, messaging you just like in response to videos or people do train? Yeah. Hey, coach, what are you guys doing here? What's the, you know, uh, what's the goal behind it? And I try to respond to everybody I can, but it, it, sometimes it's hard. Uh, yeah, I, know, I know what you mean. Sometimes yeah. you have to do other things and respond to messages on Twitter, I know. Yeah. But then that kind of helped me connect the dots. I was like, hey, there's a, there's a market for this. And I think there's an even bigger market for it than obviously what I've been doing. But like I said, I'm not willing to give up uh, the school yeah. side of things yet. Just like I said, I, I enjoy being around the kids. I enjoy working with all yep. the teams. Uh, and so that's what's kept me in it. Uh, I've had opportunities just football-wise to, to leave here and, and go do just football strength and conditioning at some – awesome places but uh i'm not doing it because i like working with all the sports so yeah it sounds like you've got a good little sweet spot then yeah yeah it's great our administration is is beyond awesome they've worked with me on a bunch uh and they've made it hard to leave so yeah and you know look if you're going full-time into business on your own it's the grass is always greener there's a lot of uh challenges that come with it you know you got to make your own schedule you gotta you it's kind of all on you yeah uh, it's not always a better scenario, especially from like a work perspective on the back end work that people don't really want to do like scheduling administrative type stuff. Yeah. And, and that's what I kind of started realizing is if I wanted to program for all these other schools, I can only do so much. So I probably have to hire somebody. Yeah. And then that basically takes me away from it. Like yeah. you said, doing more administrative type stuff and, uh, but maybe a change make later on, just not, not at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, back to social media, I think uh, strength coach Twitter is definitely like a unique place and that um, there are a lot of rabbit holes uh, on strength coach Twitter. 
Um, I, I don't think I see you like, you know, have, you don't jump in with a lot of strong opinions on there, probably for the better, you know, it's probably better to avoid that some of those, those altercations, but we, we see it quite a bit. What's your approach to getting involved in the conversation on Twitter? Uh, you know, mine's more from a safety perspective. So I will get involved in that. Like, uh, if it's something that's kind of a debate about keeping kids safe or keeping yeah. kids best interest out there, I'll definitely hop in on those. But I feel like a lot of times strength coaches especially uh, paint themselves into a corner as, well, we do this and we only do this because so-and-so said this is the best way. As to where I like to rob from all the different kind of disciplines within the field and, and take the best of what we have available and kind of blend it together, uh, you know, you see, especially at the high school level, you can keep things a lot simpler and not need to diversify near as much uh, because your athletes aren't highly trained for the most part. Right. Uh, and so I think at the high school level, they need a good base of everything versus having to go down one rabbit hole and specialize in, in this is what I do or this is what we do exactly. Uh, yeah. And always question what you do. So, like, if you'd have told me four years ago, that we'd spend just as much or more time speed training than we did in the weight room, I'd have told you you're crazy. Uh, but now with this Simply Faster and the whole feed the cats ideal, uh, I've seen it, I've done it, uh, and, and it's awesome. And a lot of that has to do with where you're at too. Uh, four years ago I was at Blyville and our kids could roll off the bus having not done anything all week and been the fastest kids on the field 90% of the time. As to where here at Southside – uh, that's not going to happen. We got to build speed. So uh, you just got to be able to adapt in what you do and and challenge what you've known and what you did. So yeah, you, um, you mentioned feed the cats. How would you explain that? Uh, I guess uh, what would you call it? Uh, a training principle. Uh, how would you explain that to someone who didn't know what feed the cats means? Because it shows up a lot. Yeah, uh, I mean, and so Tony Holler's the guy that uh, came up with it. He's a track coach uh, in Illinois, I believe. Um, and it basically challenges what we've all been taught about training, uh, specifically speed training. Uh, you know, lots of people worship the grind. We got to we got to come in. And we got to practice four hours a day, or we got to do we got to run 15 100s to get in shape and all this. And he kind of flips that on its head. And, and his one of his biggest quotes is, do less, achieve more. And what he means by that is, let's get really good at a couple little things and let's microdose it. Instead of running 15 crappy reps where our kids are winded, let's run three reps where it's high intent, they're completely bought in, and, and it's full speed over sub-maximum speed. And so that's kind of been his mindset, and we've stole it. Uh, we use it, and it's, it's been awesome. So it's like there's two parts to it. One, obviously, there's like a, a physical scientific basis for, for that approach, but then the other one is like a mental approach. Is it easier to get kids to buy into that than, than you know, grinding through practices? I guess it is. Yeah, so specific, specifically with the speed training, uh, I tell our – you know, used to when you were an athlete – you never knew how much you were going to run of a certain drill. So yeah. you'd go out to one tens and you'd hold back because, yeah, hell, I don't know if, yeah, I don't know if I'm gonna have to run eight or I don't know if we're gonna run 16 Yeah. Uh, or same thing with like, you know, speed training. We never knew it was just bait. And I, I think that was because a lot of the times the coaches implementing it honestly never knew how much you're going to run. They just kind of 
guessed and, and went with the feel of everything. Watched the athletes, and when they felt like the athletes were work, then they stopped. That was yeah. my high school experience. All yeah, time. that was mine too, and I learned a lot from those guys. Uh, but now when we go outside, I tell our kids, if we're running exactly this amount, it may be we're running two fly, two 10-meter flies, you know, and that doesn't sound like much, but when you're running max effort, you know, okay, so you're only running – you're only recording 10 meters, yeah. but you're building up for 30 meters before that. You're slowing down for 10 meters after that. So you're running basically two 50-meter sprints, full speed, all out. And I told them that at first, and they're like, that's it? Uh, but once you get them on the timer and they're truly sprinting full speed trying to beat that time, uh, if you're a 300-pound lineman and you're putting that much force into the ground uh, – it, it puts a pretty good workload on you, even though it's only two reps. It's kind of like a, it's kind of like a scarcity mindset. You're only going to get these two yeah. times, and I'm recording it, so you better squeeze it for all it's worth. It, it's actually more similar now that I think about it to the way practice works. You only get so many practices and so many reps, and you need to kind of get the most out of that to show the coach that you're ready for the week or if you're competing for a position. It's kind of taking the same approach as opposed to before. Like you mentioned, our high school coaches, it was – we're going to get everything out of you, and this is the opposite. Yeah, yeah. I, I like the way you, you said that with the scarcity mindset there. It's, it's exactly like that. Uh, it gets the kids to give everything they have rather than having to get it out of them. They're willing to give everything they have on those two reps versus as an old-school coach, you may have had to grind them into the ground to think you were getting everything out of them when in all reality they were probably holding back. You know. Yeah, yeah. Man, that's really interesting. So I, I think back to college, you know, we'd run one tens or whatever and uh, okay, well, we got eight one tens. Well, I'm probably going to hold back on the first six and yeah. then I'll bust it on the last two, you know, right. as to where this, it gives them a tangible number that they are trying to beat and they will try to beat it. Interesting. Cause um, it, you know, we ran gassers. I'm sure you did too. If the coach did call out how many gassers you had and the time you had to make it under, Say it was, I forget the number, 56 seconds. I forget what the time is for him. Yeah. But it, you would get to 55 seconds on every rep, conserving so that you just don't miss your time on the last part. I'm thinking about that, and that, that is submaximal. You know, that is not, that's not a game style of, you know, uh, physical exertion. Um, they're pacing. You know, they're essentially yeah. pacing themselves to a level of intensity. And if you think about pacing, that's used a lot more in, like, aerobic sports. You right. know, like say you're running a 3,200 meter or, or, or cross country, that's where you want to pace as to where football, basketball, volleyball, you know, high, uh, anaerobic sports like that, you, you primarily aren't pacing. Uh, so that's, that's where I think it comes into play. And, and we tell that to our kids, you know, we're not just going to line up and run you just to run you. There's a reason to what we're doing. Yeah. Uh, and kind of Tony's idea of it is he has a – formula where you get the kids mile per hour based off their 10 meter fly so you see a lot of places now posting their kids mile per hour and, and the idea behind it is okay well if my kid runs 22 or 23 miles an hour fresh when he's tired or she's tired she can run 18 to 19 miles an hour easy as to where if your kid runs 19 miles an hour fresh well now they're running 16 so uh it, it, in the miles per hour the kids love that too I they mean, do so yeah, very cool. Um, 
So let's see here. Um, so besides Simply Faster, what else have you used recently that's been kind of game changing for you? Um, you know, technology wise, obviously we use y'all. We've used Simply Faster. Uh, we bought the Normatec uh, recovery systems. Uh huh. Kind of the you know the recovery pants that the athletes can put on. Yeah. And those have been awesome. Uh, I think it honestly may be more of a uh, placebo effect than anything. <laughs> but if the kids think they're working, then they're that's good enough for me. Yeah. Uh, and honestly, you know, there's a lot of studies that prove they do work. Uh, but I think a little bit more of it may be placebo. Uh, but you know, whatever it takes to get the kids. Uh, like I just ran a set down to our volleyball. They played last night, and she's going to put the girls in them, and they play again tomorrow. And if they leave that session today thinking, "Oh well, I'm I'm good to go for tomorrow," then they're good yeah, to go. For feel like they're good. Feel good. Play good. We we've used that uh, football wise. There's a company here, and we get kind of a budget for just technology. Uh, so for us to use technology in our football program, uh, and th- so they're kind of like a tech company. And so that's why they want us to spend it on technological type stuff within the program. Uh, and we bought one of those Kabuki transformer bars with that. Uh, we only got one this year. Hopefully we get five more next year, but we're looking forward to getting that in. Uh, this one that's kind of cambered. Yeah, it's cambered. And then uh, you can adjust all the different positions. It basically makes it where you can get 28 squat patterns out of one bar. Uh-huh. Uh, I used one when I visited West Florida about two years ago. Uh, and it was awesome. Uh, you know, there, there's no back pain. A lot of NBA teams are using them now. Guys that are like 6'10 can squat to the cellar just because of the, the way it aligns your spine. Yeah. Uh, and it's just, you know, for, you know, strength and conditioning kind of just got going 50 years ago or 60, 70 years ago, you know, in kind of the 1940s and 50s. And for basically 70 years, the bar – never changed you know it was just the same i think about that all the time man it's like someone invented the barbell and everyone was like this is cool this is it you know it it works don't get me wrong but you know everything else in life more or less you think about watches you know they come in all shapes and sizes and yeah i mean yeah the barbells are different i guess kabuki you're starting to see that they kind of have taken all these traditional weightlifting implements and now they're kind of putting a more athlete specific um trend on or athlete specific take on it uh and and they got you know bench bars they got all kinds of stuff that they've came out with that a lot of schools are starting to go with yeah cool so how many of those bars did you get we just got one we're going to use it with like our taller kids are they expensive Uh, yeah well i mean i think it was like 700 uh but hopefully next year we can get five basically if i order something for team use i order it in a set of six uh that way we can use it for everybody. Uh, yeah. as basically, we split up into groups of six, so six will allow me to get everybody on it. Right. But we're just going to kind of individual use it for going forward this year and then get five more hopefully next year. Right, right. So, Kapuki, Transformer Bar. Uh, and other equipment, anything else you've been playing with lately? Uh, we bought some of the Hypervolt uh, or the Perform Better Massage Guns. Yeah. Those have been good. Honestly, I think the coaches – uh, have, have been using them more than the kids, <laughs> but, uh, those have been good. Um, trying to think right off the top of my head, really, the, like I said, the main thing we've been using is the free lap. It's been fantastic. Uh, all our kids are getting, uh, Apple watches. And so that's, hopefully we can do some kind of cool things with those. That's pretty cool. Going forward. Have you talked to other coaches who, who use Apple watch and how they use it? I'm interested to know. 
I haven't, but I'm gonna, you know, going okay. forward uh, once we get them. And then all our up on Twitter and find someone real quick who has yeah. experience. And then all our junior high kids, they're getting uh, uh, iPads. Yeah. So we can probably phase those into the weight room uh, somehow as well. So we're oh, looking yeah. forward to it. Yeah. Uh, looking forward to using whatever whatever we can get our hands on. That's cool. I, I saw Andrea Hootie post about the Apple Watch. I think all her athletes have it too. And she noticed that in the absence of in-person classes, her athletes were walking way less. They were sitting way more. And there were some effects, you know, from sitting over walking. You know, I think I've seen that same thing now that you yeah. say that. Even for competitive athletes, and she got into it a little bit. She said it's not really a, a muscular thing, but more of like a tissue thing. Yeah, I guess it was muscle. She she had it more kind of defined than I did. Um, but that's cool. I mean, yeah. If, I think if anything, if someone gets some feedback on how active they are on a daily basis, I mean that that's good enough. But sure, surely the Apple Watch could do more than that. Yeah, and like you said, with the when we were all out doing remote training, you know, there wasn't kids walking to and from class. You weren't walking to lunch and back you sure you know a lot of our kids probably did the training but mm -hmm. then they probably went and sat at home the rest of the day or yeah. they went and you know did different things the rest of the day that didn't keep them near as active and it's stuff you wouldn't even think about but yeah say like i walk to the cafeteria for lunch duty seven times a day well if i'm not here then i'm not doing that and that's a you know those little steps add up so Right. So the, the Apple Watch, I'm guessing you're, you're viewing that as a tool for athletes to kind of self-regulate as opposed to, uh, as a tool for you to just collect a lot of data and do things like check, check things on them or like, you know, over, oversee them. Right. Is that how you're looking at it? Yeah, it, that and we're going to use it in PE uh, for the kid for the classes that are too big to really get in the weight room and kind of be small or we're going to use it. OK, well, this kid's only walked this amount of steps this week. And we're going to have different awards at the school. Uh -huh. you, you walked this amount of steps. Okay. We're going here on a trip for this. Yeah. Well, you walked, you did this, your heart rate, you know, got this high for this amount of time. We're going to do this type of thing. And That's so there's cool. different ways our administration has been talking about using it with yeah. regards to health. Uh, a lot of that's changed because of COVID and we're kind of having to, uh, figure other stuff out that's a little more pressing at the moment, but that's the um, plan later on. The, the, do you know if Apple like has the software for you as a coach to kind of see all the data in one place and you have to check each person individually or? Uh, I, I haven't got into that yet. Uh, yeah. Once we start utilizing that, we'll go to a training, I'm sure. Yeah. And, and hopefully learn a little more about it that way. Yeah, that's cool. And again, I'm interested in, in hearing about that because, you know, uh, if you have a lot of athletes, sometimes – it makes it unwieldy to like, you know, kind of manage everyone. But yeah, um, that's cool. Mason, it seems like you guys are getting access, access to some cool stuff then as far as uh, equipment, some technology. Um, as far as football specific technology, have you looked into to GPS? Is that something that you guys would ever be like interested in? I would like to use it. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't know if we'd have, I don't know if we'll get the budget to utilize it on a true team perspective yeah. in terms of like every athlete. But I think it would be something where we could get like maybe a dozen catapults and then, okay, well, let's give it to two offensive linemen. Let's give it to two defensive linemen. Let's give it to two cornerbacks. Let's give it to two receivers yeah. and then kind of get ideas for their position group based off individuals within that position group. Yeah. And that could be a way we could use it. Yeah. Helpful for practice data. I'm sure it'd be helpful. Yeah. Uh, there's a coach. I'm forgetting his name right off the top of my head, but I think he's at uh, UMass. 
and they do an awesome job uh, utilizing it. He basically shared some of his data. Uh, this was when all the strength coaches were getting into the, the debate about conditioning and all that. Uh-huh. Uh, and he shared some of his data. And, you know, a cornerback, probably one of the positions that runs the most on a football team, as far as, like, true max effort yardage in a game, I think it was something like 150 to 300 yards for that one game. Mm-hmm. Uh, as to where if you just, you know, sat back without data and looked at it, you'd probably think it was a heck of a lot more than that. Right. Uh, that was kind of showing that you can microdose things and you don't have to to push too much. You know, there's a risk-reward yeah. uh, when it comes to that. So I always err on the side of, of, of being a little doing a little too less than doing a little too much yeah yeah interesting but what that that debate that took place a little, a little while in conditioning that was um f- people were basically drill football was the primary example yeah and i think some coaches were noting that traditional conditioning was not matching the metrics of the game they're basically saying football players historically have been over conditioned yeah yeah and like you said earlier it's about maximum effort versus submaximal effort. Uh, go back to college here, like when we would run 110s and you said about the time, well, I knew I could run the time and not even give close to my maximum effort. So I'm not really actually getting in shape for the game because the game's max effort, you know. In uh, rugby strength coach and the strength staff at William & Mary, I've tweeted about it and talked about it. They came up with a thing called the tribe test uh, now, there's, I'll explain how their staff does it, and I'll explain how ours does it. It's a little different because I don't have 12 other strength coaches. It's just me. Uh, but so how they do it is you basically get five to five. We do five seconds. I think they did six seconds. But you basically get six seconds, and you run to the 20 and as far back as you can. And so a coach will start them, and then a coach will say time when the six seconds has came about. I think they use a horn. but. Right. During that, so you split your athletes into two groups. You got runners and you got spotters, and then you mark where they got to at the end of that six seconds from the 20 and back. Uh, And so then you give them like a rest period applicable to the game. So football, you know, you at least at the minimum, you're getting 20 seconds between reps, no matter what. If you're the highest tempo offense in the world, you're still probably getting 20 seconds rest. Probably more like 45 on average, right? Yeah, yeah. It's actually a lot longer. Uh, and so you give them a rest period applicable applicable to what happens between plays in a game, and then they run another rep, and they're trying to beat their mark. Uh, and so now it's giving them a marker to beat, not a time to make. Yeah. Uh, and the way they do it is they continue that, and they actually track. They'll write down and track with data, okay, well, this guy covered this many yards during today's tribe test. So now he has a total amount of yardage that he's trying to beat the next time mm-hmm. versus just trying to beat his cone. Yeah. We we don't have that many coaches, so we can't keep up with their total yardage. But we do do – we move the cone. They try to beat the cone. Uh, and we just script it like a uh, like a long drive. We started with six reps. Then we bumped it to eight reps. Then we bumped it to ten reps. And now we're at like 12 to 14. Uh, and that's a long drive in football. You, you know, you're hardly ever going to have 14 play drives. Right. Um, and then for the most part, you know, I know at smaller schools, you got a lot of guys too, too platooning. But for the most part, your kids then get a super extended amount of time before they're back out on the field again while the team's on defense or while right. the other position groups playing. Right. I love that, man. It gets the athletes thinking in terms of more. 
You know, yeah. it's almost like a weight room mentality. Weight room's all about more. And then and you bring that to the field. You cover more yard, yardage. Yeah. You beat your, get a higher number. As opposed to just stay below this number, you know, don't take too much time to, to do this. Yeah. And, and I think that is important. Uh, we, we get into it sometimes like uh, we'll have a conversation in the office about who's faster. Okay, well, then I'll pull up the data that says this kid's faster than this kid. And it'll be like, well, no, I don't think he is. And I'm, well, the data shows he is. Now, this kid may not be a better football player than this kid. Yeah. But if we're lining up and, and racing them, then this kid's obviously faster. But so I, I think you got to know how to interpret the data. But like you said, uh, the way they do that, I think it's awesome because it's giving them not just a marker to beat now, but a distance. And it's tangible. You can, okay, well, say athlete A covered this amount of yards. Okay, well, two weeks later, he covered this amount of yards. Either A, something's wrong with him. You know, he may be hurt. uh, Or B, he may not be giving his best effort. Or C, he could be close to getting hurt. Uh, It could be kind of like an indicator that we need to back off yeah. Or, or, you know, give them a little more rest time. Uh, we use the 10-meter fly for that. Uh, obviously, we use it to build speed, but we're going to run them about once a week, once every two weeks. And then say we got a kid that runs a one flat 10-meter fly. Okay, well, today, time to 1-3, well, there's something up. Uh, and so, you know, and it's a lot of times it's as simple as asking them, you know, what's wrong? Coach, this hurts. Okay, well, lay off today. You know what I mean? So – uh, I think you can use data to kind of guide your decisions and guide your practices. Uh, right. Um, so how often do you run that uh, tribe test? We, uh, in August, we ran it once or twice a week. Uh, now that we've got in season, we're basically going to run it as needed. Uh, if, you know, we put now our scrimmage, it was a long scrimmage. Uh, I think we got about 60 or 70 plays on offense, 60 or 70 plays on defense. And it was cool. Uh, it wasn't hot out, but we didn't show any signs of being deconditioned or, or not being in shape. And I think a lot of a lot of that was number one due to the temperature, uh, and number two though due to the fact that we played game situations with our conditioning uh, using that tribe test. So it wasn't the first time our kids had been in that type of situation. Now you can't replicate the nerves they have before a game. You can't replicate, uh, you know, a sophomore who's 15 years old and playing with Pokemon cards going against a 18 or 19 year old who smoked a pack of cigarettes and bought scratch off cards before the game. But you can replicate the demands, you know, of the game with the rest periods and, and the work periods. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the excitement, the arousal, you know, it's, it's not, you can't replicate it. That's been a discussion I've seen on Twitter a little bit. It's like, don't try to replicate the game. It won't happen. So, what, what's the point of that? What's the point of a strength coach saying that? Um, is that a way to get sports coaches to not try to make practices as intense as they want them to be? Or, or what would be the point behind saying that? I think it gets a lot to the like sports specific side of things more. So you see it, I'm not, you see it with all sports, but like take basketball and baseball, for example, you see a lot of movements in the weight room that are trying to replicate exactly what takes place in the game. Like, so a baseball player may be swinging an overly weighted bat or a, a basketball player shooting a, a five-pound med ball as a basketball. Or, or same thing with football, throwing like a weighted football. And we've kind of learned that those are things that can actually hamper 
uh, an athlete's ability and skill more so than it can help it. Uh, you know, as far as like, we leave our kids here wanting more instead of leaving them ground out and, and dead, dead and tired. Now we work the crap out of them, mm-hmm. but we were responsible about when we do that. So if I'm going to overreach, it's going to be in off season. I'm talking, if I'm going to overreach, it's going to be on a Friday because now they've got two days rest. I'm not going to overreach on a Wednesday and then have to work them for two days where they're crushed. Yeah. Uh, or if I'm going to overreach, it's going to be on a Friday and then before a break. So like before spring break, and then they got a whole week yeah. you know, downtime to rest. Um, I, I don't want to make it too much about football. So we'll just include all sports in this. When it comes to end season training, do you have how how did you kind of develop your plan or your program for in season training? It, it's changed uh, a lot over time, and a lot of your in season training is going to depend on the time the sport coach wants to give you. Hmm. Uh, you know, so do you I'd want love, as much time as you can get as a strength coach? Yeah, you know, I I'd love to have an hour, but for us to make things work, I got thirty minutes, and that thirty minutes beats the heck out of zero minutes. Yeah, uh, so we can get you got to trim all the fluff. Uh, your warm-up may not be as detailed. Your auxiliary lifts aren't going to be near as much. Yeah. Uh, you bas- you're basically hitting your cores. Uh, the way we do it, you hit a core, and then you're either your 10-meter fly or your 40 uh, right. for your speed training. And so our speed training has become one of our core lifts, mm. uh, so to speak. So you, you, you will it down to the movements that elicit the response that you want the most. Yeah. Yeah. Strength, Absolutely. speed, power. And all the fluff, you know, gets cut out. And honestly, uh, that kind of approach may be the way to go about it year-round. But uh, I, I do enjoy having a little more time for, for more in-depth things, especially in off-season. Yeah, yeah. Fo- um, football in-season, um, play on Friday night. Do you train on Saturday, train on Sunday? Uh, I've been a part of programs that, that bring the kids in on Saturday. I personally uh, hear – we give our kids off Saturday and Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think honestly at the high school level, that's the best way to do it because, you know, okay. Say we play a game Friday night, uh, wraps up at 10 o'clock. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, we can preach to kids to go home and go to sleep uh, and get your rest for practice Saturday morning uh, because that's the right thing to do. And if you don't do that, you're not dedicated, but the bottom line is they're high school kids. Uh, so after a game, they're probably not going to go straight home and go to sleep to get ready for practice. No, I, I didn't. <laughs> I, I certainly didn't either. Uh, you know, they're going to go out and do the things high school kids do, which generally go till late at night. Uh, okay, so say a kid gets to bed at 2 o'clock. Okay, let's bring him in for 7 at practice. He probably had to wake up at 6, so now he got four hours of sleep. Yeah. Uh, and we're bringing him in on a Saturday morning. And to me, they just – they get recovered a lot better sleeping in on Saturday and, and sleeping in on Sunday yeah. and coming to work ready to go on Monday. So yeah. that's what we do. Uh, you know, there's great programs that bring them in on Saturday. There's nothing wrong with it. Uh, that's just the method we go about it. Right. What, um, what about um, during the week? How, how do you, how do you work your football practice schedule in with the weight room? Do you have some sort of strategy behind that? Yeah, I basically, uh, me and Coach Reardon sat down, and I get the first 30 minutes uh, of each day. And so I get them for that time, and then after that we go to kind of our sports-specific uh, stuff. Gotcha. So 30 minutes. You try yeah. to get as much in as 30 minutes. And, and that's with football. Uh, you know, softball-wise, uh, last year was the first time our softball girls lifted in season. 
the year before that they didn't. And there's some disagreements between uh, coaches that I wasn't involved with or whatever that kind of led to that. Mm -hmm. uh, but we kind of got all on the same page and uh, they were hesitant against it at first. Now, last year we only got to play one softball game, unfortunately, so they didn't get to truly see the rewards of it. Uh, but we lifted on game day and they saw 100% that their girls were ready to go uh, for the game. You know, and ideally I wouldn't lift on game day, but when you take a sport like softball and baseball that plays two to three times a week, mm -hmm. you can't help uh, but lift on game day basically. Yeah. Uh, at some point you're going to have to. And I think it's important as a coach when you do lift on game day and in season, uh, obviously you got to be smart about it. It's not off season. The right. primary goal during that time is to not get – I'm not saying you won't get stronger, but that's not the primary goal. The primary – primary goal is be able to perform for your sport right. uh, and so you got to take that into consideration in, with how you program uh, in what you do yeah. uh, you know if you're a high school strength coach that you'll encounter a lot of problems along the way uh, like I said with softball our girls were basically told not to lift the first year and they literally sat down and didn't do anything during that lifting period and I couldn't get mad at them their sport coach told them not to lift. Right. Uh, and so I, I can't sit there and be mad about them for it because that's what their coach told them to do. Uh, but if you're a young strength coach or a high school strength coach, enjoy. it's hard, it kind of sounds weird, but enjoy those times because once you see the growth from that, it, it's super rewarding you know, to yourself to see that you've kind of grown this program yeah. uh, in that way. That's kind of your low bar, so to speak, you know, that's yeah, yeah. your fertile ground. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's up from there and, and you can kind of look back, man, this is where we were and, and this is where we are now. Uh, and it's kind of, it's good to see. Yeah. I mean, it, getting an athlete with absolutely no training age, for me, is the most exciting in my short coaching experience. You know, and this is general pop. When someone walks in the gym and they've been, you know, training or whatever, that's fine. They're going to get better. But when someone comes in with no training age, that's the most fun because they see the best gains at the beginning. Yeah. Um, they really do. And at the feedback is like, you know, eye-popping as a coach. That's what I liked uh, in, in terms of coaching is getting people from zero to something as opposed to like, a, you know, eight to eight and a half. Absolutely. And to me, the biggest thing, you know, obviously it's important to get stronger. Obviously it's important to get faster. But the best thing – that the weight room does, and I've noticed it more so with our female athletes than our male athletes, is build like an outward confidence. Uh, you know, obviously, 90% of the guys we work with, they're confident as can be, probably need to bring it down a notch. <laughs> but uh, a lot of our girls, while they may be confident like inside, they, they don't truly like, a lot of them don't know how to display this confidence or don't know that it's okay to display being confident. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think you can kind of bring that out bring that about in their training uh, by celebrating, you know, small victories and, and, and things like that and hyping them up. You know, I get more hype uh, when one of our girls does their first unassisted chin up than I do when one of our guys squats 500 pounds. So mm -hmm. uh, it's important to, to boost them up and hype them up. So. Yeah, absolutely. Do you, do you, um, do you run leaderboards in, in your weight room? We do. Uh, I do a bad job at, keeping them up to date <laughs> as quick as I should. In uh, yeah. our, our kids will remind us of that. Uh, yeah. Remind me of that. Yeah, they will. 
but uh, as far as like the 10 meter flies and all that stuff goes, every time we run one, we update it. Yeah. Uh, so, the, so that, that it, it, you get what you make a priority. Uh, you know, there's probably some squats and cleans that I need to get updated on the leaderboard, but yeah, I've got them and I'll, they'll be up there. Yeah. You might hear some coaches talk about a weight room leaderboard and especially in the high school setting because kids develop differently you know some yeah. kids can be in the same grade but just be years apart in terms of physical development that, that doesn't prevent you from running leaderboards or do you have any way of working around that or anything adjusting for body weight stuff like that yeah we we uh so our record boards we have broke down into body weight uh-huh. uh, and so that that's where you get that okay uh, so you do you do a body weight then that's just absolute yeah the only thing uh, we don't do with body weight as the girls just because that can kind of be like a touchy yeah. subject. So yeah. we, we just don't do it. Yeah. Best to leave it. Um, but still leaderboards for the girls though, just for weight. Oh yeah. And they, they remind me more than the boys do about, yeah. Hey coach, I claimed this the other day. So yeah. You better off take the leaderboard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know how that goes. That's funny, man. Um, well, cool. Well, I mean, we're coming up on a couple minutes into the hour here, but, um, yeah, you got your weight room at your, uh, at your house. I know you post some videos in there. You like to get after it still. I know you're, uh, I mean, you're, how old are you, Derek? 31, 31. 31. And you're still lifting big weight, man. (laughs) I figure I got uh, about two more years and then I'll start tapering down to, to, uh, lifting more for health. Yeah, I'm well. I'm getting in the same zone too. I'd love to do squat over. I probably will, but every time it's over, I'm like, man, I don't know if I can keep doing this anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, your programs. You've done some pen and paper strength stuff. That's what I like to do. Is it just nice to have someone else write a program instead of writing your own? Yes, absolutely. And I, what I find, number one, you stick to it if it's something you bought. Even if like pen and paper, they're like yeah. But you yeah. stick to it if it's something you bought. So and. True. I find when I program for myself, I program way too hard. Oh. Uh, so I'll get into a workout. I'm like, what in the hell was I thinking? You know, cause a lot of times when you're writing a program for yourself, you're sitting at home on a Saturday, you've got well rested. You're, you're not being rushed. Uh, it's not the work week. Uh, and then you get into the work week where things happen and you're yeah. like, man, you gotta do all this as to where with a coach that I don't know. I just like, Number one, you support other coaches, and number two, it holds you more accountable. Yeah. Yeah, I like it too. It's so true. I, I never even thought about that, but the pen and paper strength workouts are not expensive. But no. if you work up a couple bucks, you feel like you're going to do this thing. You print it out, it's there. It's waiting for you. Um, that's such a good point. Do you train anyone who's not an athlete? Do you train it like other adults, people, guys who want to lift, anything like that? Yeah, I, uh, I do personal training with a couple uh, just like general population adults. Uh-huh. Uh, I'll say this though, like, you know, with athletes, the goal is to not like, to not make them sore. You know what I mean? As to where with your general population adults, sometimes you may have to do something. A lot of them literally, they'll, they'll tell you, I want to feel sore. Yeah. Uh, some of like my female. Make me feel population. alive again. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, I got to do things that I wouldn't do with an athlete with them, but that's what they want. And they're not an athlete. So. Yeah. A little bit of differentiation there, but a little cross it mentality. Kill yeah. me. I yeah. only got an hour. Put me to death. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny, man. Uh, cool. So yeah. Hey, where, I mean, Twitter, that's, that's where you're at. You're at often and you're on Facebook too. So I'll, I'll post that stuff so coaches can see you get in touch with you and see what you've been up to. I, I think again, you're a great follow. It's just freaking awesome. And, uh, 
I crack up. Some of the stuff you post is just funny. So thanks for doing that. Keeping it light because there's plenty of serious strength coaches and nothing wrong with that. I appreciate them. But, you know, sometimes it's nice to just kick it back a little bit and uh, it's okay to kind of show the other side of, you know, living life. Yeah, absolutely. And I think laughter is one of the, you know, it's a general quote, but laughter is one of the best medicines. I think like number one in college, I wasn't a very good looking guy. So there was a lot better good looking guys than myself when I approached my wife. So I figured I'd better be able to make her laugh. You got to have a secret weapon, man. Yeah, because I'm not going to beat these other guys in the look department. So No, you can't go into battle without a weapon. You have to have something, you know. (laughs) I can relate to that, man. That's funny. Well, good stuff. Everyone, hit up Derek. Uh, Like I said, he's he's active. He's out there. And he tries to get back to all the DMs. Not not always feasible. I get that. Uh, But, Derek, thanks for being, you know, a friend of ours and uh, coming on the pod. I really appreciate it. Thanks for all you do for, uh, for athletes and other coaches out there. Hey, I appreciate the opportunity and uh, any strength coaches out there that are looking for like a system to streamline uh, what they do and streamline their process. Team Builder takes what used to take me. And I'm not saying this just because I'm on the podcast. It takes yeah. what used to take me two to three hours, four hours sometimes on a Sunday. Uh, and it streamlines it into a 10 to 15 minute process. And, and it allows you to keep up with your data. Uh, a lot easier so definitely check them out uh and like i've said before their customer service is 100 percent second to none uh you know as as good as free lap is i don't know that i could text or email or call the ceo uh and him get right back to me in about five minutes as we're with you guys if i have an issue it's handled within five minutes uh so i appreciate it and highly recommend you guys well i appreciate that that's uh that means a lot. And, you know, if, if it's for you, team builder, it's, it's good. If not, that, that's fine too. But I've been, uh, we're lucky to work with a lot of coaches like you, man, in the high school space. Really enjoy it. I mean, they're, they're doing big things and um, definitely our favorite uh, customer segment to work with for the most part is coaches like you guys in high school. It's just a lot of fun and really makes our job feel like it's worth it to show up every day and, and put in the work. So thanks for that. Well, man, enjoy it. And uh, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, buddy. See you. See ya.